This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Holy Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 6, 17 to 26. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great crowd of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Well, there was this museum uh, laid with beautiful marble tiles with a huge marble statue displayed in the lobby and people came from all over the world just to admire this beautiful marble statue. Well, one night, the marble tiles started talking to the marble statue. Hey, statue, it's just not fair. Why does everybody from all over the world come all the way here just to step on me while admiring you? The statue responded, my dear friend, marble tile, do you still remember that we actually came from the same cave? The marble tiles said, yes, that's why I feel it's even more unfair. We were born in the same cave, and yet we received different treatment now? Not fair! Marble statue says, Then, do you still remember the day when the designer tried to work on you, but you resisted the tools? Yes, I hated that guy. How could he use those tools on me? The statue said, Well, when he couldn't work on you, he decided to give up on you and start working on me instead. I knew at once that I would be something different after his efforts. I bore all the painful tools he used on me. And so, my friend, you can't blame anybody who steps on you now. A little parable about change. None of us likes change, necessarily. Change is often disruptive. Change is often hard. Change moves us from the familiar to the unfamiliar. <coughs> from the familiar to the unfamiliar. 
And so as we heard our gospel text read this morning, uh, there was something familiar about it, right? There, <clears throat> excuse me. There were echoes of refrains that we associate with the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes found in the Gospel of Matthew. And yet we immediately noticed some differences. And maybe, maybe we don't like those differences. We don't like those changes. Why can't we just stick with what's familiar? But resisting change, as we've already heard, is not always a good idea. So here we are in Luke. And as Luke tells it, rather than being situated on a mountain, Jesus is on a level place or a plain, hence the Sermon on the Plain. But perhaps the biggest contrast here is not the altitude at which Jesus is speaking, but that there are not only blessings given, but also woes, right? Warnings to those who may find themselves at cross purposes with the way of the kingdom. Again, we might think, do we really need all this negativity, Jesus? Let's just go back to the more positive Beatitudes. But here we are in Luke's story. And we wonder where we find ourselves in Jesus' words. Lined up as recipients for hope in good news? Or smack dab in the crosshairs of condemnation? Well, good things for us to ponder. And let's start with the blessings. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now you'll notice there's no spiritualizing here right, which we seem to find in the Gospel of Matthew, where he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Here, it's just blessed are the poor, period, right? There's no getting around that or reframing it. It's simply blessed are the poor. And the next one only continues this thread, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. It continues, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. A clear declaration that the value systems of the world are turned on their head in the kingdom of God. The domination system values upward mobility at any cost, hoarding, overpowering. And it says, blessed are the wealthy and the powerful. The values of God's reign are bottom-up, right? Opposing the top-down systems of this world and the reign of God, the first will be last and the last will be first. And this is truly good news. It means that God hasn't, <coughs> God hasn't forgotten those who are struggling now. It means that Jesus isn't preaching simply a gospel of escapism or some esoteric spirituality that has no bearing on our actual lives right now. Jesus is saying, if you're struggling to pay the rent, God sees you. If you wonder where your next meal is coming from, God knows you. If you've been historically and systemically oppressed because of the color of your skin or the way you love or how you identify, God is on your side. And not only is God on your side, but change is coming. Now, centuries before Jesus, Siddhartha Gautama, otherwise known as the Buddha, taught that change is inevitable. Change is the way of things 
In fact, change, said Nagarjuna, a later disciple of the Buddha, change makes all things possible. Thich Nhat Hanh put it this way, without impermanence or change, oppressive political regimes might never end. Without impermanence, your daughter could not grow up into a beautiful young lady. Change makes a new world possible and change is inevitable. And you can almost hear this Buddhist mindset when you interweave Jesus' blessings and woes as Trisha Gates Brown suggests in reading this, right? <clears throat> the way Luke tells it, it's kind of the blessings and then the woes, but uh, Trisha Gates Brown invites us to put them one after the other and then hear it perhaps anew. In verse 20, it says, Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And then verse 24, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Verse 21, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. And then later, Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Change is coming. And depending on where we stand now, that may sound like good news or blessings or it may indeed sound to us like warnings or woes. And Trisha Gates Brown goes on in her reading of this passage and says, when I read this, I pondered how globally speaking, I am rich. Even regionally speaking, she says, I am full. In other words, according to this reading of Jesus' sayings, I am on the woe side of the equation, as are the majority of my friends. She writes, as an educated white woman from a stable middle-class background, I benefit from a system where opportunity streams have been damned to divert the good stuff my way. Such domination was happening in Europe and various colonies long before white people set foot on the North American continent, but in the United States it has been systematized. <clears throat> Inequity has been systematized from the beginning. Laws and policies have been in place to ensure that white mid to upper class people thrive at the expense of others. From slavery to redlining to unequal drug sentencing aimed at black Americans. From the theft of land from Mexico to blatant discrimination against Latinos in our immigration system to the building of a border wall. From the Chinese Exclusion Act to internment camps on U.S. soil to glaring biases against Asians in entertainment and other spheres to this day. From the crimes of Christopher Columbus to the Indian Removal Act to the struggle at Standing Rock. <coughs> From the partition of Palestine to U.S. military occupations in the Middle East to the ban on Muslim immigration. I can see that at every step the violent coupling of white bigotry and political power have birthed white privilege. As a Christian, I want to work for a world where opportunity, where streams of opportunity are shared equitably. But this has to begin with understanding more fully the inequities in which I participate and how to repair them. She concludes, yet as a white person, I have had the luxury of not seeing these inequities. Whew. Powerful stuff. And so when we read Jesus here in Luke chapter 6 anew, we can hear the warning, change is coming. 
And those of us who are full now may not always be so. And those who are at the bottom may not always be so. Everything is impermanent. Good news for those who find themselves at the bottom. Hard truths for those at the top. By the way, the U.S. Census estimates that estimates that by 2045, the U.S. will be a white minority nation. And so unsurprisingly, those who have historically been the beneficiaries of the imbalance of power through white supremacy, they're often loath to give it up. And that's why a slogan like Make America Great Again resonates, right? Because there's a fear of change, a fear that the way of life I've always known, I as a white person, uh, is coming to an end, a fear that the good things I've experienced might be taken away. But when injustice reigns, right, change can only be ultimately good news, even for those who were the beneficiaries of former inequities, right? It's good news for everyone. And so it might be easy, right, as we read this text, to imagine that Jesus is writing off the people for whom he uh, mentions the woes, right? It might be easy to imagine that Jesus is writing off uh, the wealthy, the powerful, those at the top. But I think we'd be misreading this if we took it to mean that. Because as we look at the text, Luke stresses the word with in his telling of this story as he sets the stage here. Verse 17 says, Jesus came down with them, that is the disciples, and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. In other words, there's a great diversity of people present, right? No doubt many, perhaps most of them poor, but not all, right? Because Jesus is speaking to some of them who are present when he says, woe to you who are rich, right? So he says this directly to some folks who are experiencing good things now, even as others aren't. Jesus is still with them. In artic- and in articulating the values, the social ethics of the kingdom, he is inviting them to participate in it. And so, yes, those of us who have benefited from privilege in whatever form, white privilege, male privilege, heteronormative privilege, we don't need to fear change. In fact, we're invited to be a part of it. The woe is for those who resist that change. Those who demand that inequities reign and that power imbalances somehow become permanent. And finally, Jesus notes, we're all in it together. To some degree, we are all blessed and woed. None of us will outrun the plodding course of change We're in it together, rich and poor, black and white, gay and straight, cisgender and transgender, able-bodied and physically challenged, young and old, healthy and unwell, blessing and woe, woe and blessing. (coughs) The winds of change are afoot and we are all invited to the coming party where laughter replaces sorrow, where whiteness is not superior and where the poor and the outcast are now the featured guests. The question is, will we join willingly or stand out in the cold, 
insisting that our old festivities of privilege were better. Amen. invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org. Mm-hmm.